0: Sources. Cuban is beside himself, driving around downtown Dallas begging through texts Jordan's family for the address to DeAndre Jordan's house.
1: We crushed them on the basketball court, and we're going to for years because of the way we built this team. We're light years ahead of probably every other team in the structure in planning and how we're going to go about things.
2: Anything is possible.
1: Welcome back to Backboard of the Rings. Uh, We are here to talk about the upcoming NBA draft. I guess it's more about the recent lottery uh, that just happened. And I am your host, Bard Lee. And I'm here with the Chip England to my Will Hardy, Shellen, a.k.a. Eric. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me again here, Brad. Love it. Yep, yep. We're just on the outside looking in, being sad that we uh, can't have Wemby, just like these two former Spurs assistants now, right? (laughs) Yes. And uh, we are not alone. We are joined by, he now is the second best big man in uh, all of Texas. I'm sorry you've had to abdicate your throne here, Dan Bayorn. Second best.
2: (laughs) Uh, Amazing. That's, I I don't even know what to do with that intro. Thank you. It's it's fun to be back.
0: Yeah, well, I was... I'm sorry, I was going to say I'm just sure you've got some low post moves that Wemby does not have in his bag yet.
2: Yeah, but I don't have the I'm seven five and I block everything to the tenth row and I dunk without jumping. I don't have those moves. So yeah, you
0: can't you can't teach that.
2: <laughs> no, you really can't.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about what uh, what number Dan was, and I was going through the other centers in a. Uh... In Texas and I was like, uh Christian Wood? not nah, that's gotta be better. Uh whatever the hell the Rockets have, obviously he's gotta be better. <laughs> and I was like Just a know. bunch of
2: disgruntled wings, I think is that's what the <laughs> Rockets have. That's what I heard anyway.
1: Yeah. And then uh, I was like, well, uh, the Spurs traded uh, Yaka Purtle, So I guess uh, they don't have one anymore. So I guess it's got to be Dan. I mean, there's only one left.
0: <laughs> so Do
2: they had like a Palantir. That's kind of, I didn't, I'd forgotten that they tra- traded Purtle back to the the Raptors until you mentioned it. But it's like, man, talk about seeing the future. Like they trade in and they get Wemby. And it's like, oh, there you go. Perfect.
1: Yeah. It was, uh, it worked out really well for them because it helped them uh, tank their way uh, to make, ba- uh, ensuring they were bottom. They were probably going to be bottom three anyway, but insured it um so yeah we're kind of here because uh we're really excited about the <laughs> as we've talked about a lot of times on the podcast the french prospect victor Wimbenyama and uh i kind of just want to get these guys together to talk about what we think about him and this overall lottery um but before that before we start i have to talk about we've we've discussed dan's uh his pickup game. I've been working on mine. I know, uh, Eric, you know about this, but Dan doesn't know about it quite so much. Uh, I've been giving Sheldon the updates. So, Dan, I've been modeling my game after an NBA player. Um, I don't think Daryl Morey would be happy to know which player I'm modeling it after because it's DeMar DeRozan. I take no threes ever at the park. I only shoot two-pointers.
2: Know <laughs> um, hey, no, what you're good at, man. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah, um, mostly because I can't play basketball very well, so uh closer to the hoop, the better I am. Uh, most of the time, I think my game resembles closeout game James Harden, just horrible, just awful. can't make anything. Uh, and occasionally, I can put together an okay day at the office. I was telling Sheldon today, I went, and because it rained, I couldn't really run around much, so I took a lot of really close shots to the basket. Uh, so I was like Giannis, because I was like, you know, shot 70% because I was about two feet from the basket because I didn't want to slip and fall and then I shot some free throws 50% so um, yeah looking. I don't think I'm going to be any better you than ball you, ball you, you are Giannis is what you're telling me that, that's what yeah. I'm doing here yes uh, but uh, we're, I'm working on my game so we can enter the uh, the basketball tournament that 3v3 tournament I think that's right um, yeah, we'll,
2: we'll own that whole thing yeah
0: it's going to be great yeah
1: yeah, so uh, I did. You probably didn't know this, Shellen, but you better be working on your game too, because we are planning on entering you as our third teammate.
0: <laughs> oh, perfect! Is this the uh, the Con of the Rings three v three there? Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so that uh, jokes aside, now I guess let's talk about uh, the lottery. Um, I think one thing I want to talk about that I thought was really interesting. Did you guys hear the story of that uh, Zach Lowe wrote about? Um, how the lottery balls came out, and how like, the uh, yeah, like
2: possibilities uh, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, so basically, the way it works is there are four balls that are are drawn, and they are numbered uh, one through fourteen. The fourteen teams in the lottery, and uh, basically, the way it was coming out was after the first ball. Basically, every team was. I think every team was still in it, and then the next ball came out, and A lot of the teams were still in it. And then the third ball came out, and there were still like a good amount of teams in it. And so it was pretty crazy how it turned out. And um, I think Wendy was saying on the podcast that he had uh, of the 11 balls left to uh, draw for the last one, the Wizards had six of the 11 to get the number one overall pick. And it's crazy they whiffed and did not get it. The
2: Wizards, that they have more than a 50% chance and they don't get it.
1: Yeah, that's rough. I know um, that could have been fun. But uh, yeah, I mean, as you said, that's like so wizards of them to just <laughs> over 50% chance and not get it done. Um, pretty funny. See, so as a fan, those are the sorts of things you
0: just don't want to hear. I, I feel like, you know, yeah. like, like those are the backroom stories that I I don't need to have published if I'm a wizard fan. Don't tell me that I was <laughs> close. You know, oh, we didn't get picked. That's fine. We'll take our eighth pick or whatever it is that they have and just live with it. Don't tell me that, you know, when it came down to the last ball, you had a 55% chance yeah. to get, the, get it. That, just that really ringing.
2: does seem like twisting the knife on some level, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're already a Wizards fan. There's no reason to make it worse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they got to pick their next Johnny Davis. Their other next guy who is like, yeah. why did they pick this guy? He Does he belong in the league? I mean...
2: Goodness <sighs> This is why the uh, three of us, see, forget entering the three-on-three tournament. We just need to be an NBA front office for a year and see if we can <laughs> do better.
1: Uh, well, I, I know for sure we, have, we would not have made the, uh, when the Lakers tore down the championship team. We all thought that was stupid. We would never trade it for Kyrie. We thought that was stupid. So uh, we would never trade it for Rudy Gobert. So, so far, we're uh, doing better than three front offices.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Some of these trades is a, is, a, is a fan that watches a lot of basketball. I'm like, I don't understand what you're doing.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like between the three of us, like I, I feel like I have a good enough understanding of like the, how the cap and all the exceptions and stuff work. And then we've got enough common sense between the three of us. I feel like we could do bet. We wouldn't be a bottom 15% front office in the league. I don't think.
2: Yeah. We'd- and that would be our motto too. like, <laughs> we're, we're solidly mediocre guys we got this.
0: yes right yeah exactly i'm not pretending that i'm light years ahead of everybody else i just am not the mid-2000s timberwolves or whatever
1: yeah we know how to use the trade machine so we're better than vladi when he didn't know how to do anything <laughs> <laughs> right
2: oh god that hurts so good <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah a lot of people don't know Vladi didn't even know how to like execute trades other GMs had to like walk him through it and it was like oh I can't believe this guy's in charge of your team tell me
2: it was the guy that he was having doing the trade with though because that would be so amazing if you're like okay we're going to do this trade and the other GM's like okay here's how you do a trade Great. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Oh. that would man. be
2: so good
1: yeah if, I, yeah if I were on the other end of that call and Vladi could not execute this because he didn't understand it I'd be like what is it I wouldn't I mean, well first of all I'd be like you know roast chicken for dinner, but I would be like, my God. Well, uh, the Kings. Um, Well, they had a good year this year, so they're not actually in the lottery uh, for once, which is surprising, I guess, to an extent. Um, where do you guys want to start here? Should we just start with uh, what we think about the fit with the Spurs? They won the lottery, uh, as we've said a, a bunch of times and joked. Um, I know, Dan, you're excited to actually see them live in person this year. Yeah, I
2: mean, it's it's like a two-hour maybe 215 if there's traffic drive um, from Austin to where the, where the arena is in San Antonio. And I've already seen half a dozen games there back when they were good. haven't seen them since they stopped being good to be fair. <laughs> but uh, Now coming next season, I have a reason to drive back down there
1: and mm-hmm. catch some games. Man, I'm jealous.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, like you're saying, this is, in terms of fit there for the Spurs this had to have been the single best like realistic place that he could have gone we're talking like teams that had at least a you know 10% chance of winning the lottery sort of thing that top 6 or 7 teams the, the Spurs had to have been the best possible fit for him right
2: yeah i mean the, so we, absolutely because i think one of the tricky things about the draft is a lot of times the culture around teams that are consistently very bad and hence win the lottery is either damaged or non-existent and so you draft an amazing prospect at one two or three into a team that is bad for like systemic reasons not just talent reasons and you go well but this guy's going to turn it turn it around it's like yeah but like you put a new fresh shiny apple in a bucket of you know with some rotting stuff in there somewhere and you see what happens mm-hmm. and like, oh, It didn't work out so well right Whereas the Spurs are, I think, perfect from a culture standpoint. Where like they clearly have a culture that, that it pre-exists even someone as good as him coming in. Where he's not going to just, you know, it's not going to be the way some teams deal with it. Where like special treatment or whatever, or or like any kind of you know toxicity is allowed to come into it. And I I, don't know, I think it's I think it's a great a great fit in that sense.
1: Yeah, I would say one of the things that's interesting is you you said like all these teams that could constantly lose, you know, process Sixers. We 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 <laughs> I constantly hate on Houston because we're just we are disgusted by them. Uh, you know, the Spurs they really only tanked though like this year. Basically, they were mm-hmm. kind of like trending downwards, but they were not like bottoming out yet. And like you know, big shock, this was the year they decided, oh, let's really let's get rid of Murray. Let's get rid of uh Pirtle. Let's let's be as bad as we can in the the Wemby year. And of course, they got blessed by. The basketball gods, but I think that that uh helps because the players have been trying to develop to be like decent and because they were tr- still, for whatever reason, they were not they were still trying to be like competitive and it was like you guys don't have like any talent, but uh, <laughs> I mean, they were still were pumping out like a not awful team until this year, so I think that that will help them because their players uh at least know how to play basketball. Does that make sense? Uh, that sounds so stupid, but. <laughs>
0: No, definitely. Um, and then, you know, um. you've got coaching continuity. Like, you know, Pop's not going to be there forever, but, you know, I've I've long harped on, like, my belief of, like, there, we'll say there are five-ish really good coaches, maybe four or five really bad coaches, and then 20 that are kind of interchangeable in the NBA. So getting dumped on one of the clear teams that has one of those five that mm-hmm. make a difference I think is just big for the development here. He's going to, you know, he, He's he's not going to have pop for his whole career, but he's going to have him for the first few seasons at the very least, um, instilling that Spurs culture, defensive mindset, you know, no nonsense sort of attitude um, that you know he he did with Duncan and Ginobili and Parker and yeah. Kawhi and you know what I mean. So uh, you got to love that for for a young guy coming in.
2: Yeah, I I love that the Spurs being bad is like cicadas, like every ten years they're terrible. Yeah, and they're so I know. Right? and they and then they're going to be amazing for a decade again.
1: Right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, you know, a lot of times you hate on teams that are successful because it's like oh my god again, but it's kind of like I I can't really hate on the Spurs too much. Uh, I think mostly because the guys who have been uh kind of like the leaders of the team have been uh. Fairly enjoyable. I like well, Duncan is so boring. I mean, he never did anything that really ever rocked the boat. So it's just like, yeah, he's good at basketball. It's like cool, you know. Um, they don't really do anything to really annoy you. Uh, and they're they're not like one of these online teams where you're just like the the fans and you're just like, oh my god, guys, shut the hell up, you know? Uh, yeah. Looking at you, Lakers fans. <laughs> um, even sometimes, sorry, uh, Eric, say this, sometimes the Warriors fans too. Uh, but oh, like, <laughs> um yeah sometimes they can be annoying, but the Spurs fans is just kind of, I think' because they know like your small market team uh it's like there's just less of them, I guess that helps too but, right,
0: you're not attracting um, t shirt fans around the country and that sort of thing right, even when they're good um oh yeah, yeah, like those
1: pink uh pink hat Boston Red Sox fans after they won uh a couple of years, and it was just like a fashion statement, and it was just like, oh God, guys, yeah. you're not actually <laughs> Red Sox fans get out of here. <laughs>
2: I yeah. think the fact that it's a one-sport town matters too. Honestly, mm-hmm. like there's a dedication to Spurs fans that I have to respect, right? Yeah. yeah, like they don't have a football team or you know a baseball team to draw. I mean, obviously college-level football is huge in Texas, but that's that goes for everywhere. Um, but yeah, like having that be the team of San Antonio makes a difference in terms mm-hmm. of the dedication of the fan base.
0: For sure, and I don't want to uh, get to like putting a team or front office on a pedestal because you never know what they might do in different situations and that sort of thing too but in a league that oftentimes we do see off-court issues and those sorts of things plaguing teams like not only have they run a pretty solid organization on that front but like when things have happened like their number their first round pick last year primo you know i mean that situation got nipped in the bud very quickly by them and they removed him from their roster, you know, what it went like basically right away. So you feel decent about rooting for that organization, knowing that, you know, at least in terms of professional sports teams who might always do something shady, because <laughs> you never know. Oh, yeah. uh, they're, they they feel they at least kind of give you the idea that maybe they're not as skeevy as another front office out there.
2: Yeah. No, I, oh, I, you I, did, like I, I,
0: Charlotte?
1: Yeah. Oh.
2: <laughs> uh, there's, I mean, there are many, right? And, I mean, as a Mavs fan, I am not allowed to point at anyone else's front office in regards to that comment. Right. Say anything, right? Because that's one of the things I do not like about my own team is it's the way they've handled some, some off-court stuff is really not good, right? Mm-hmm. But moving right along yeah as far as front offices go i i from a basketball standpoint i'll say this too like the reason why the last iteration of the spurs was so good is that they got guys like parker and ginobili later in the draft and they saw the diamonds in the rough and that is exactly the kind of organization you want a draft pick this good going to because this is the trick right you've got Wimbin everyone agrees he's the consensus number one pick but it turns out that in a team sport that in, that in involves five players on the court at the same time, you need other players that you yep. can pass to and get and get the ball from. So the fact that they're very good at finding talent later on in the draft is very relevant here.
1: Yeah, I think for me the biggest thing as far as their team building goes is they have a lot of nice players, good roll gla- role guys, glue guys, uh, they have a lot, some, B, some B's, maybe some like A minus guys, you know, like Vassal and, and Johnson. Uh, you know, they've got Sohan, um, Branham. These are all nice guys, but they don't have the guy yet. So when he walks into the room and he's the guy, there's not going to be this thing where it's like, hey, I'm the guy. <laughs> and then you have, well, clearly, Winbanyama is the guy. So you're not, everybody's going to be, it's going to kind of fall in line. And they have the pieces around him that will work. They don't have like, I mean, that's the problem with Houston, right? Is that, they have six guys on the team that think they're the guy and they the ball gets across the court and it's like, if I have the ball, I'm shooting. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't think the Spurs will have that with the way their roster set up, because like I said, they have a lot of nice players but they don't have anybody who can really be the number one guy at a team. And when Banyama instantly steps into the role, and I don't think it's going to be an issue where, you know, um, let's say he went to Houston, well, Jalen Green thinks he's the best guy at the team. Well, Jabari yeah. Smith was like a number two pick. Uh, you've got as well, and you've got, like, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. always thinks he's the best guy on the team, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, uh, now what are you going to do with Shangun, who has was your best player on your team, and so it's like, uh, I, I like the idea that they have all the other pieces around Win Benyama already um, that could make the foundations of a good team. They probably will need a number two, you know, uh, yeah. type of guy, but they aren't, hopefully, the way it's looking is they aren't looking for 3 through 7 they've got those guys already cuz i think sohan is a nice fit um next to Wemby. as far as being um i guess they're maybe gonna, like Wemby's like really type of thing
2: defensively right away i think like their offense might need time but i think defensively they're probably going to be good pretty quickly when you just say sohan's good and like Wemby is ridiculous
1: mm-hmm. yeah and it's going to not- be tough to score them in the paint yeah
2: yeah, and like, and like, I get it in the NBA. He's gonna have to like probably the first half of the season. He's gonna have adjustments because the NBA is faster and these guys are more athletic. But mm-hmm. like, he is just a freak defensively.
1: Yeah, you're gonna see some like crazy blocks from help side defense. You're gonna be like, oh my god, he came from went there and he blocked the shot. Uh, but he, he's he's gonna have to. Um, that's why I like, as I said, we like the Sohan type of thing because he doesn't have to play. Anchor center, he can play, like, help defense, like, power f- forward type of uh, the Romer or Rover or whatever you want to call it, like, Giannis or Mobley. Uh, or, like, with the Lakers, like, they usually have eight A- AD play at times, too, where it's not, like, you're not taking the beating as the center. So, because that, that would yeah. be tough, I think, if, if he had to be an anchor center, because he's, he's not, he's thin, and it's tough to get, like, beat up for uh, I mean, he's not going to play 82 games, right? He's going to play, mm-hmm. especially because he's a rookie. They're playing probably like 60. But even still getting beat up like that for a whole season is would be tough for him. Yeah,
2: absolutely. No, That's I, 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 funny that you mentioned the rover thing because the AD thing is exactly what I was thinking of is you put him on the weakest offensive player on the other team and you say, hey, uh, guess what? When that guy's like standing in the corner and he's the fifth offensive option, if like all the other options are done, just leave him there. And like pin everyone's shots on the backboard. And that is yeah. an amazing role for him, right? Because he doesn't have to get mm-hmm. the direct abuse of like the post-up players that are going to absolutely want to back him down and dunk on his head. But he gets to just get the help side blocks all over the place. And, and it, it's exactly what we're seeing in the playoffs now where like it's a, it's a psychology thing as much as anything. Once you've had someone swat four of your shots in a game, everyone's going to be nervous about going up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, what's going to be funny? Sorry to cut you off, Sean. I'll let you go here with after my joke. Is it's is Cornette the guy who does the the jump in the air, where he's like ten feet from the guy shooting? When might actually block that shot, he's so freaking tall. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, oh. That will be amazing when he like blocks one of those with that move. Uh, anyway, John, uh, go ahead here.
0: Well, I was just make a real say, point. No, I'm not so much a real point, but like I mean, we're we're talking somebody that we're all kind of figuring is going to be a Davis slash go bear level impact player uh, anchoring it there but like his athleticism at least from what we're seeing currently leads me to believe that you know with some good defensive coaching and a little bit more you know meat on his bones and those sorts of things he's not going to be the type of guy that's going to get switched off the floor either you know what i mean like i i think right. he is fluid enough that like no he's pr- he's not going to like be able to lock up your wing out there for the most part but he's not going to be a guy that you're pulling off the floor in certain situations against certain teams either, which is, which is going to be huge for him. Just that extra athleticism piece.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. And honestly, I was just thinking like when it comes to the wing, it's so three point heavy now in the NBA that all you have to do is really keep a hand up and make it so that it's not an open three. And the contest of him just with his arm out is kind of ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. He's yeah. G- he's gonna be at like the blow block with his arms up, and the guy's not going to be able to see the freaking basket. It's gonna be nuts. <laughs> oh, he's so
0: I, I can't wait to get an official NBA. We we talked about this. You know, he's not gonna do in the combine because his team's still playing uh, there in France. But man, can't wait to get like an actual shoes off height measurement official for him and wingspan measurement. It's probably gonna be crazy
1: right yeah because uh the, the conventional wisdom right now seems to think he's seven five is what everybody thinks but uh we're not quite sure
0: you know right
2: i mean you could tell just from the vi- the the highlights his wingspan is absurd yeah mm-hmm.
0: I mean, he just looks like an alien <laughs> Like it's, you, you know the the i keep coming back to the highlight of him missing that uh, oh yeah three-pointer from the wing and having a put-back dunk off of his own three-point miss and like i understand that the talent level he's playing is is not nba talent level but that's that's an absurd basketball play like that's something that like if you're in a gym by yourself with nobody else on the floor there are not many nba players doing that right
2: (laughs) That should not be humanly
1: possible right no no, I mean, imagine if he were to enter the dunk contest next year, he would win the dunk contest with that dunk that we saw. Like, and he could, it would be, like, it would be, if he did that as the first dunk, everybody would just go home. They would just be like, all right, well, uh, clearly nothing else we're going to do tonight is going to be as incredible as this. Uh, so it's over, right? Oh, my God. I hope he enters the dunk contest.
0: <laughs> yeah, Other small underrated positive for him with San Antonio is I think just thanks to Tony Parker and Boris Diaw. Um, like the Spurs already have a very well built-in France fan base, like you know, fans back home for him are probably loving the the continued Spurs connection there.
2: Yeah, I, I look forward to him getting an amazing nickname because when Dial was there, he was like the big croissant, which yep. is a fantastic <laughs> nickname. But like, I still don't like. I have ideas for what Victor could be, but yeah, I, I look forward to an amazing nickname.
1: Yeah. Um the French thing is pretty interesting to me because of, of course, as you mentioned, Tony Parker, they had Diao. I mean, Manu, he wasn't French, but he was playing in Europe and stuff like that. So, like, the Spurs, as Dan mentioned earlier, have a lot of uh, European ties, and I think that's something that's going to be, I think, help ease him into, you know, um, the familiarity with this franchise and this team. Uh, I think I think the he has to be happy, to, to, just from... Uh, a culture standpoint. We're not going to talk about. We're not talking about the X's and O's. I think he has to be happy to have landed there of all teams because um, I think it's probably more known to him a little bit more. You know some of the stuff. Um, it's
2: not you know. Detroit. Yes.
1: Uh yeah. Too, right. Also, yeah. The, the crappy cities he could have went to. Right. Just in terms of like, look, I can say it. I'm from the north, man. Like, and so is Shella. The The northern cities. This is a winter sport. It sucks. <laughs> It's, it's rough, so it's not a lot of fun uh to be in the winter in the north so um yeah, I think kind have f- some fun and also uh you know I know that like the knicks weren't a team that could have won you know but like if you go to uh one of these like big market teams or whatever and you have the big city I think it's uh as Dan mentioned with the one basketball or one sport team I think it's an, it's it's helpful to be away. For, um, I mean, of course, all the spotlights will go there because he's such a big star, but to not also have, like, the expectation of one of these massive franchises and cities, you know, I think is helpful. That was a good thing I mean, for, like. Giannis, right? That was good for him too. Was like
2: exactly, exactly. Like, can can you imagine? Obviously, they weren't in in the lottery, but like, can you imagine him going to a city like Philly and just how toxic that would immediately become? Oh God, yes. Like, because you know, there's going to be some kind of slump, right? Even these amazing, like Mm -hmm. LeBron is the only one I can think of that didn't have it, but like, there's so many prospects that ended up being fantastic, but you look at them for the first half of their first season and there's just an adjustment period right and you yep. want them to be in a place where that like it's nurturing and they're not like people cussing him out on his first game or
0: whatever
1: i know right oh my god yeah so i i think uh and because it's the only team that i think the spurs fans will, will like love him love him too which will help too is like there's not any like you know to compare him to like you know like boston's got a lot of teams right you know where it's like Celtics, Patriots, uh, Bruins, uh, Red Sox, or whatever—it's like it's just the Spurs. So the fans are never gonna like. I would be—you have to just like crazy for them to, you know, uh, get the knives out and stick the stick up in his back. So that'll mm-hmm. that should be helpful for him too, as a as a young player and young young guy.
0: So, well, and it's super rare, I think, in American sports, at least, for a player to be able to be entering like the professional leagues without really us knowing that much about him you know i mean we you know as big nba fans have been following him for a few years now but but even still when i say we've been following and we've been like watching twitter highlights and youtubes and stuff like that you know what i mean like it's rare for us to not have some guy basically be in our face for a year or three years in the case of like football Mm -hmm. or whatever uh at college level, being marketed and on TV, like you know, how, how much Zion did we see, for example? Oh God, yeah. In yeah. the February through June window, his year at Duke, there, like Zion was everywhere. Like we all saw him blow out his shoe, and you know all the dunk mm-hmm. he made, and all these sorts of things. Like you knew Zion. Like Wemby kind of gets to show up almost as like an anonymous, aside from being seven foot five prospect, which is pretty wild, I think. In uh, pro sports culture here like he he isn't a, a known thing off the court and even really on the court probably for the average NBA fan yeah right. I mean like, I, I
1: can't
2: think of many people following the the Frank, you know the French league right
1: yep yeah I mean yeah the Zion thing like Wemby is known to like NBA fans but like when Zion was in, in his first year in the league he was like the most searched player Mm-hmm. And on like for highlights and stuff, and it was like he was barely in the league, and he was so popular already. So like, I know you know I don't think your average everyday person has ever seen this guy. So I think um you know it's it's uh, you have to be like really into the weeds to be knowing any of these stories about him. Like he's got like trainers that like specialize in like his feet to like make sure his feet last you know a long time and stuff like that. that's a crazy. He's like you know some of the stories he's like. Really, he loves to read and stuff like that, too. Uh, so Uh He seems like he's got, like, you know, a good head on him. Yeah, you know, I, I will say, I can say this because I was a fan of a team who had this happen. He's not, like, addicted to Fortnite, going to get injured, you know? Like, Mesut Ozil from <laughs> Arsenal played Fortnite for so long, he injured his back one year. It was like, oh, my God, dude, you're a freaking professional soccer player. Why are you playing so much Fortnite to injure yourself, you know? Um Wemby doesn't have any, uh, for, as far as we know, any of these vices, you know, type of things, but... Um,
2: I just, I, I love the, the idea of looking at a game schedule and and being, you know, listed as out
1: Fortnite-related injury. <laughs> I, oh, it's so priceless. Yeah. Oh, God, that's so stupid. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm getting irritated thinking about it, because I was like, oh, I can't believe that was just... Because we didn't know it for... You know, I'm oh, sorry, we're the here. we didn't know at first and then it came out that that was the reason and it was because people were like they he was streaming on Twitch and people were starting to put two and two together and it was like, yeah, he's got a Fortnite injury. and It was like, oh, my God, dude, come on, your highest paid player. Uh, anyway, uh, that aside, um, yeah, I'm really interested for a lot of uh, casual people to like see this guy because. I mean, the first thing they're going to be like is, holy crap, this guy, is this a human? <laughs> like, he's so big. But then to get to see his, uh, you know, I mean, and people have seen like Taco Fall and these other like really tall players, and but they don't have any skill, you know, they're just big. But Wemby's got like athleticism and skill and it's going to be like, um, it's going to be blowing Adam, people's minds.
0: <laughs> Adam Silver owes it to us that the first game of Vegas Summer League is the Spurs versus the Thunder, right? give us uh, the thin towers versus chet game one <laughs> of vegas summer league like yeah, put it on espn good. have the best ratings that a 2 p.m on a wednesday yeah, just, summer I, league that, game has ever
2: be for the highest rated summer league game
0: and yeah. they do those sorts of things like i remember we had what Bankero versus uh smith as their first summer league game last year i think right
1: Oh, I don't remember, but I, 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 I definitely remember they played I, I uh, really, really early. Really. Um, yeah, because they're trying to turn that into a thing now that they make, make us want to watch. And it's like, uh, you know, I'm addicted to the NBA. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm a the thing, well, to your,
2: to your earlier point, Brad, is that because like for the ones for the guys that are coming up through college, like you see them, they might go head to head in the tournament. Right. Or they might have had mm-hmm. years of, like playing against each other. Even in regular season games, where like you get to where there's even rivalries, or like they they know that they're both competing for the top pick, and then whoever gets it kind of has you know bragging rights or whatever, and so you get that kind of like it, it it adds something to when those guys play against each other for the first time in the NBA.
1: Yeah, I mean the AAU, it's a good thing at also a, a blight because it's like you know it's putting a lot of miles on players. Everybody's buddy buddy, and that's one of the things that like. Uh, I started talking about Giannis because, of course, he's the player of the team that I root for. But uh, we we can say the same thing about like Jokic too, uh, and even to an extent, Doncic, but a little less. Some of these guys who uh, didn't grow up in that system, you know, um, it's harder to recruit them as the other players because it's not like, oh, we played against each other when we were ten. We've known each other for so long. Our parents know each other. You know, we've been seeing each other for twenty years. Or well not twenty years, be ten years probably. And like trying to team up and stuff like that. Uh it's it's a lot harder for some of these other players to like get tapped up by uh other um rival players in terms of like trying to team up and stuff. And yeah. um I think that will be uh, that's kinda of, I'm kinda of getting at the unknown of Wemby for these other players too, I think will be interesting, never having really gotten a chance to go against him and see him. And I think um I think he will surprise him, that's a so surprising to say, of course, because uh, how many times have they played against a seven five guy with all that and skill? Never.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I you know, I was I was probably very excited for Zion coming in as well, but you know, I mean it's been 18 months of at this point me just can't wait to see Wemby against NBA competition so we're we're only months away now at this point and we know what team he's going to be playing for so I'm I'm very very excited for for
1: summer league at this point
2: Yeah likewise
1: Yeah um does anybody else have anything else they want to say specifically about uh Wemby and the Spurs I want to talk about a couple of other teams here that had some unfortunate or fortunate breaks in the lottery
2: i think we can switch gears
1: okay so uh i guess should we just do the blazers here i i think that's the next yeah because the hornets i just don't i don't know what to talk about with the hornets because I, I i who knows what the hell's going on they might trade that pick uh um, yeah. But who knows. I th- I think uh I think the Blazers are the team that I think the three of us are probably the most interested in talking about because uh I don't know what they're going to do here at three. They have basically signaled through their marketing, their uh season ticket marketing and stuff that they're going to keep this or trade this pick probably and uh try to build around Dame with some more veteran players. I'm curious what Uh, I know we were. I know Shell and I. We were kind of disappointed that uh, they didn't get the number one pick. Uh, As we were watching the draft, and it was clear that they were really, really in the running. When the Pistons fell out, it was like, "Oh, damn! It might actually happen." (laughs) Um, And it didn't. So it was disappointing uh, on a personal level. But I'm kind of curious what you guys think about uh, the Blazers and their number three pick here.
2: You can add me to that group, by the way. Like that was the other team if not the spurs that i was like i really hope portland gets it because i love dame and i wanted him to get you know like the basketball gods to just bless him (laughs) Mm -hmm. um yeah i i get i get why they're like he's dame came out and said like i'm not here for a rebuild and i totally respect that he's not at the age where that would make sense right like and i don't think the ages really line up like wimby is going to be great but i don't see with that team is currently constructed that that actually like necessarily. Yeah. I don't know. So, so, and definitely you look at the, you know, whoever the consensus two and three are like, I, depending on who you ask, it's Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson. I don't know. There's other people that pick, you know, other, other guys. And and it's still, it's a pretty good draft after Wimby. I'm not saying it's like nobody, but I just, I get why they would consider trading that. Is I don't know that any of those guys actually move the needle for that team as they're currently constructed.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's my, my issue there is who are you getting with that three pick? You know, I mean, I've seen um, OG or Siakam uh, sort of thing from Toronto. I've seen Bridges uh, from uh Brooklyn now maybe you know i think Carl Anthony Towns' name has been thrown out there in these oh, sorts of things oh god no and, no like no. i think of all those guys <laughs> I, I agree i'm with, <laughs> with the on the cat situation uh, you you figure one of those wing sorts of guys you know a bridges uh, um or og you know one of these like defensive playing shooting wings are, are the type of player that would pair very well with Damian Lillard yeah but are you even advancing to a Western Conference Finals with that roster? Probably. And what? Sorry, what was
2: that? Oh, I was just, I was just adding in, Like, probably not, right? Probably, it's probably
0: not. Yeah, I agree with you. And it it can't be all about rings. All three of us are are very much in agreement that ring culture is toxic and poisonous. And you can have a successful season, especially in a place like. Portland uh, that that doesn't end in an NBA title, but as somebody who has loved Dame and enjoyed Dame, I would love to see him get a chance at a ring again. Here at the twilight of his prime, um, he doesn't have many years left. Where I think he can be considered at that that peak of his his playing game. Um. So I mean, in my dream scenario, you're Portland probably trying to ship off Dame and build around that number three pick. Build around Simons, build around Sharp. uh, You know, go for the next generation. Like you, if you trade a Dame, you have all of the building pieces you need to to build for that team for two years from now. You know what I mean? Like they're very well set up for that.
2: Yeah, you're still going to get something good for him. Is the key, right? He still isn't end of his prime, so you're going to get a good haul. You should for him.
0: And he's not disgruntled. He's not demanding a trade to only Los Angeles. So you know, you have a whole Mm -hmm. plethora of teams in theory out there that might be wanting his services he's incredible he's a great teammate there's a lot of teams that would want to have him um so i don't know i that would be my dream scenario it doesn't sound like that's the case it sounds like we're more likely to end up with the portland mortgaging the future for one or two more seasons of you know being good enough which you know there's something to be said for being a good team you know if you 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 watch your team for 82 games a season, you get to see him win 50 games and make the playoffs. That's fun as a fan. It's not yeah. the end of the world, but it makes me sad that that would probably mean the end of Dame getting a ring unless he, you know, eventually becomes a vet min sort of guy that just goes ring hunting at the very tail of his career.
2: Yeah, no, I, I I'm, I'm with you on that. And it's frustrating me though, as uh, uh, as someone who likes Portland, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is about that team that I've just liked them ever since he's been on it. But uh, it's really frustrating to see how effective Josh Hart was in these playoffs for New York, for example. Yeah. They had him. And I was like, oh, that's a great trade. And then they traded him. And it's like, what are you guys doing? Like, it's not like, like, if you look at the players that they have had, or even Jeremy Grant is another guy that I like. And Mm -hmm. yeah, he's probably going to want more money. And that's probably not going to work. And this is where roster construction in the modern NBA is very complicated. But like, you've had various good players on your team. And half of them aren't there anymore. Like, Right. Or watch Norm Powell
0: doing his thing with the Clippers once the big two guys went out. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, they've had, they've had the
1: guys
2: yeah absolutely they just they haven't had them like on the team at the same time and everyone healthy
1: yeah they're trying they they often try this especially the last couple of years This like a delicate balance of like oh we'll compete then we'll tank and it's like so they're trading away some of their assets to get worse so that they can tank in a better pick but it's like well then you don't have that asset anymore and it's like yeah you got a better pick but also you traded away a good player and it's like I don't I don't really know what sometimes their strategy overall like big picture strategy is because they clearly I mean I I don't want to say this is a problem for them because this is, this is also a good thing for them but because Dame will not request a trade it's very hard for them to actually make that trade because as the GM like you You're can't the be guy the that guy. traded
0: away Damian Lillard yeah exactly Damian Lillard <laughs> what he
1: didn't ask to be traded like and Ooh. so you will, for, if, if that doesn't work, you you will probably never have a job in the NBA at that level again, because no team will hire you, because what happens is, like, with the Danny Ainge thing, because Ainge has got the title to, like, back it up, and we, we all call him, like, Trader Danny, because he trades a- anybody who can like care. It's like, he's got the title to back it up, but if you trade Dame and don't win, and it doesn't work out, it just, no player would ever trust you as their GM. They would never want to come play for you, because they'd be like, Dame was a legend, he was an icon, and portland and you traded him and he didn't want to get traded and he was mad and upset you know it's like you just can't do that and so like um His statements don't give you an
2: out though like because i i hear you and no one would want to be the gm that traded dame and right problem. but the fact that he said i don't want to be a part of a rebuild i almost feel like that's him giving them that out if they need it because like if they say hey you know we looked at everything and we decided like we can't we couldn't make the team around Dame that we wanted to make. And that would be an honest, genuine statement that you could make because in the West, it's it's really right. hard to make a team that is truly a contender with what they have right now. And this is not me making a knock on their current roster. Part of it is that, like, Nurk has been injured for, like, half the time he's been there, and so they not haven't that, had a in yeah. And center. Like, and then, like, their wings that are good are gone six months later or whatever. So it just – and, like, because Dame is amazing, but he has defensive limitations, you need – certain style of guys on defense to cover up for that. And it's not easy to build that roster, but I think honestly, the only way you trade him is you go, we couldn't make a team around him that is good enough. And so we decided to pivot and rebuild. And so we're going to let him go to wherever. And I I don't know, like I feel like like it would suck certainly for Portland fans, but like I think everyone would understand that because the reality is like does everyone want to see him on a mediocre team for the rest of his prime?
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough. I Like I said, I think I think you would need to have Dame. You, you said Dame is kind of hinted at it, and there was like, was it two years ago that Haynes had that report that was kind of like that Dame might be wanting it, and then he refuted it and was like, no, I want to stay. Yeah, yeah,
2: so he's you, the kind of guy that would never come out and say it, but what I'm saying is right? of, I don't want to be part of a rebuild. That is the most upfront he's going to be he's gonna be right i'm decision. not saying you
1: need him to say it publicly i'm saying you need to get him in the room and be like as you kind of said you have to basically get this to, to say it though like hey if oh, we're gonna we're thinking about trading you is this okay you know um this is what we're what's right. so what we're looking as you said this is what we're looking at and we can't get it done we can't get a, uh, a good team together uh we think trading you is the best option is that something that you're okay with and if he says no i want to be a blazer for life you got to keep him as a blazer for life uh Mm -hmm. but if he says yeah uh i understand um i think you can i think you could do it but yeah you're right he'll never say it publicly but you got to get him in the room privately to say it i don't think you can do it with him without him saying that i think if you like i said if you traded him with and he came out after it was like i told them explicitly never trade me and they did it it's oh, like, that's career
2: suicide. You yeah. can't trade him against his will. Absolutely not.
1: Right. Absolutely not.
2: No, and, and if he says that he wants to be a Blazer for life, then what you got to do is stop trading players like Josh Hart away.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah,
2: my Honestly, God. Like, like it frustrates me because I'm like, I'm not, uh, and I'm not saying he's, he would be your third best player. This is part of the problem is they go, oh, we wanted him to be our third best player. He wasn't. We got rid of him. It's like, no. Josh Hart is a great player when he's your fifth best player, right? Or mm-hmm. your or whatever it is, but, like, you need to build a roster with guys like that, right? Like Yeah, that you is- just need
1: to actually keep your good guys, right? That's the problem. They don't keep their good guys long enough. They have, like, they'll have a good guy who's good, and then they'll move them off, and they'll get another guy who's good, but it's like, you need to have both those good guys at the same time, <laughs> and your team yeah. will be better.
2: <laughs> and then that's how you make a winning team.
1: Yeah. I, but, yeah, I just, they, they honestly, uh, the mistake they probably made was they, in hindsight, of course, this is so easy for us to say now, they kept CJ too long. They waited for his trade value to go down too much, and they needed to move him sooner when his value was higher and when Dame was younger. Um, yeah, obviously, Zach Collins killed him, too. With the, he never was never healthy. You mentioned Nurk, too. Same thing. The big yeah, men never seemed healthy, healthy, too. Healthy, so.
2: For sure, but it, it's... I don't know. This is where the draft is, I think, really difficult, right? Portland is an example mm-hmm. where the draft is really tough, is like who they pick very much should be based on whether or not as we've been saying like whether they're rebuilding or not but to say rebuild is really to say okay you're trading Damian Lillard and that's a whole thing
0: yeah I mean I don't I don't think that the Blazers can make a draft pick with the third pick and keep Damian Lillard like that seems very irresponsible as a franchise like they have to either commit to the rebuild and trade Dame or they have to trade this third pick away.
2: Yep. Yeah. And and, and, yeah. and get something what they can
0: for it to help okay. out. I,
2: I like Ananobi. I think Ananobi would be great with him, but this is exactly where I'm frustrated is I'm thinking of like two or three other guys that they would let go that I want to put next to Ananobi and be like, that's a team with Dame as your as your primary scorer that I could be like, yeah, that team has a chance. But what they have right now, you add Whatever you get from trading that third pick to that team, and I'm just not, I'm not seeing it in the West,
0: especially because to make the money work, any of these picks or any of these trades, especially for Bridges and ananobi, you're sending Simons out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like right so... there,
2: you just mortgage your future again, right? Like, what? Yeah, you...
0: exactly. So yeah. I mean, it's tough. Like I said, roster construction is tough. You, you are a better team, basically upgrading from Simons to Bridges or Ananobi. But are you not a good enough of a team, especially in the West where like when we're, we're looking at the two teams in the Western conference finals right now that are huge, you know, the Lakers and Nuggets alone would be a terrible mismatch for, (laughs) for a potential Blazers team. Um, Yeah. Like that, especially with just Nurk there at center. So I, yeah. They're they're kind of stuck in that terrible no man's land of we can maybe get good enough to get to the second round if things go right for us or or you know can maybe make a Western Conference Finals if the the playoff seeding just lines up perfectly like it did the one year for them but that's kind of where that sort of roster is topping out unfortunately
1: yeah I think for them the nightmare scenario is. Uh whoever picks at number two, or if I was a Blazers fan, I should say for them specifically. If I was a Blazers fan, my nightmare scenario is whoever picks at number two, whether that's Charlotte or someone trades up, maybe like uh the Magic might trade up. Uh they've got six and eleven and they need a point guard. Uh so maybe they want Scoot. Um some of these other teams who have a bajillion picks maybe will want Scoot. And then at number three is Brandon Miller, a wing player. That is my. that would be my nightmare as a Portland fan because they would pick him and keep him, I think. Because they'd be like, ooh, we got this nice wing player in Brandon Miller now. You know, we've got Dame, we've got some of these other guys. Like, this is a nice foundation of a team because he kind of, like, fits the best for them. Uh, so I would hope that Brandon Miller would not be available <laughs> or you would get rid of that pick before the draft because I think they would be tempted to take him and keep him because he would be a good piece and fit kind of their team. But as you guys have mentioned, he doesn't fit the timeline at all is the problem with Dame. So it's like, by the time he's good, Dame is going to be way old. And it's like, so I think if I were a Blazers fan, that would be uh, my hope, my anti hope or whatever that would be. Like I said, my nightmare would be, we take Brandon Miller at three and keep him. Um, I'd rather see
0: You can't use this pick and keep Dame. You just can't. If you're Portland. Yeah, uh, I, I gotta would, commit one way or the other. I would the fork swing, in the road,
2: swing for the fences, and use this pick and whatever else on the team has got value, and just go for I don't know. Like, and I, I understand it's a you know it's a moonshot and it probably won't work, but like I would that would be more interesting to me than just continuing this treadmill that they're kind of on right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but yeah, so fun that they moved up from 5 to 3 so this becomes a a possibility. You know, the third pick in a three-guy draft is is much more tradable. Yeah, 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 like there's real For value to kind of open up this value. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they they could yeah, as as we said it gives them the option at least of of the two timelines. And uh hopefully they choose one of the two and it sounds like as we said, it sounds like they're going to trade this pick to try to get a veteran player now, which uh, I don't know. Um it's tough to say because of course we know what Damian Lillard is like, we know what this player they're gonna trade is like. Um so it's it's easier to like now justify like, well, you know, we know these players are good. Uh you might totally strike out in the future on your lottery picks, you know, ask a million teams who have tried that strategy and it has not worked, but I mean they have some nice pieces already, so um it wouldn't be like they were starting from total Zippo, you know, like when Houston started their tank job, they had like nothing uh, good and young, so they had to get it all. Uh, they have some nice players. So it would be kind of like a Spurs thing where it's like, we have some okay guys already. Uh, we just need a little bit more, um, but... I Also, next year's draft is not supposed to be very good, so that's another thing to keep in mind as well. Um, they're saying like Barani might be like a lotto pick, with, and it's basically just the fact that he's got a high floor <laughs> it's like oh god um, wow. yeah so um time i know uh uh let's just a couple things glad i'm glad houston did not win was that the team that everybody wanted to win the lottery the least
0: definitely for me yeah yeah for sure i them and uh slightly Detroit. I feel a little bad for Detroit because obviously they wouldn't have been quite as bad if kate didn't get hurt, but it it was kind of fun seeing them drop all the way to fifth despite the worst <laughs> record in the league. That's that's always that's always heart wrenching. You know, you you watched a bunch of nobodies play all season long and end up with the fifth pick as your consolation prize at the end of it.
1: That hurts as a fan. Yeah, it do from a team building standpoint too, because they really whiffed. Because they really, because they shut K down for the whole year basically. And they really went in to get one of these guys, and instead they're going to end up with, like, a, a, probably a, a nice player. But when you tank that hard and you can't even get top three, that's pretty rough. Um, so, um, congratulations, Dan. Quickly, your team kept its pick by finishing tenth.
2: Uh, I was hoping you wouldn't mention that. <laughs> still, I still feel shame about that.
1: Well, I mean, here's a nice thing: you don't have to think about having the tenth pick very long because you're going to trade it. So, uh, oh yeah,
2: that is that is basically a certainty. I would be shocked if we kept that pick,
1: right? Yeah, so you don't have to really think about actually making that pick and keeping it. Um,
2: Cash much. generations, here we come.
1: <laughs> other, um,
0: other than the. Uh... The obvious like top three picks. So we're talking, you know, Wemby, Scoot, and Miller. Are there any guys in the draft that you're, either of you are very excited about, or 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 intrigued by, uh, at least kind of coming off lottery picks? I don't
1: know. Uh, the guy who who guy who played about uh twenty minutes away from me on a walk at KU, yeah, Mr. Dick, yeah, Grady Dick. I'm excited. I'm interested in him, but uh Um
0: Cause personally for me, I I am fascinated by the Thompson twins here. You know, we've talked about them a little bit as well, you know, six seven, you know, men Thompson in theory is potentially projecting as like a point guard at six seven coming into the NBA, whereas Sir is, you know, more of a traditional wing guy, but neither of them had much of a three-point shot, both below 30% in G League there. And they've both been playing a year up. Like, they're both 20. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, a year older than basically their competition almost their entire lives at this point. Uh, I, I'm i very intrigued by them because they've been another one of those. Like, not, not uh, anywhere close to Scoot or Wemby levels, but we've been hearing about them for quite a while mm-hmm. as well, because they announced very early on that they weren't going to go to college. That they were going to do the G league route. One of the, the first guys that kind of, you know, said that they were going to do this is these top picks. So I, am intrigued to see how they work out as well, since they should probably both go top 10, I would imagine. Um, no problem there. Yeah.
1: I guess, uh, looking at those here, also cam Whitmore interests me as a Villanova guy, because, um, I know that Jay Wright is not the coach anymore, so things are, might change, but, these players under him have just been winners, you know? All Villanova they have like, guys are great, yeah. Yeah, Villanova guys just know how to play well, they're smart, and they play winning basketball, so I think, but, I, you know, none of them have been like, I think, well, Lowry was, and he was, he was good, um, but none of them have been like, Blowing you away but they're really good Solid NBA players and you really want them on your Team so I'm I'm curious about him because I Think that he could be Right now kicking
2: ass he is uh, <laughs> good
1: Um yeah I mean he's a, He's accepted his role here nicely Um As the bench second unit guy So uh but I, yeah I think I would be curious in him just as His pedigree of Being a Villanova guy like Uh Sean, you had Raygu, uh, DiVincenzo, and uh, he knows how to make he's not an amazing guy, but he knows how to play, right?
0: Yeah, and we had Pasco for a while who was great. I mean, obviously, we're talking Brunson and Bridges, uh, mm-hmm. you know, out there doing their things, uh, at the, during the regular season, the playoffs as well. So it it's one of those things that's dangerous to, to like guys just because of where they went to college, but I. I've bought into the Villanova hype at this point where the, where I kind of just trust these lottery guys is going to be coming in NBA ready. Um,
2: uh, are you judging me because I like Kawhi cause he went to SDSU?
0: No, <laughs> no not at all. I, I mean, man, the Kawhi one was hilarious. Like the, the Spurs shooting coaches and, and him for putting in the, the work. Cause I can't think of a guy that came into the league with like such a glaring negative on his scouting report. Like, He's going to be a defensive player of the year type candidate right away, but he can't shoot at all. And now he's just a killer, uh, you know, on the offensive side of the basketball too. So,
2: yeah, well, this is where the psychology matters, right? And it's, I know it's hard to scout that. And it's hard to know how someone's, you know, mentally wired, but like the fact that he would work as determinedly as he did to go from a minus shooter to like, one of the nicest jump shots in the league is uh mm-hmm. Yeah like, pretty crazy what automatic for mid range, right? So it's crazy. Like I I bring that up not to rant about Kawhi, but just like you think about with these draft guys, like you mentioned with the Thompson twins, like oh if, if shooting is one of those things that is seen as a negative on a scouting report, do they have the mentality to and use the resources that the NBA is going to give them, which mm-hmm. are To fix that, because if they do, that's an amazing pick. If they don't, yeah, they're probably not going to make it in the league.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kawhi did have uh, the guy I mentioned earlier, Chip England, the shooting doctor, who everybody thinks is like the greatest shooting doctor. Although, I think in this case, I mean, Dan, you mentioned the keyword, you said wired. They probably just changed some of the settings on Kawhi. <laughs> and, and uh, turn the correct knobs and press the right buttons, and then he yeah. became better. I
2: think uh, they rebooted him and he updated his own operating system, and it yeah. Was
1: all,
2: it was just a bug in the old version on his jump mm-hmm. shot
1: things, yeah. Um, oh, one thing I guess that we didn't uh talk about that I I could wanted to bring up. We discussed Spurs is uh, so. There's a few interesting <laughs> things about the team is they own a few picks from other teams. They have some Hawks oh. picks from that Murray trade. They, I think <laughs> they still have one from the Bulls trade, the DeMar DeRozan one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and well, then they're going to have like... Trade. Oh, yeah. And then they've also got like $40 million in cap space or whatever. Uh, if you were the Spurs, what do you guys... I guess, what would you guys do? I mean, with all... Uh, there's talks that they might try to make around at Van Fleet or something. I'm curious about what you guys would think
2: like. very specific answer, but i want I want to let Shellen go first because I'm curious okay. what you guys say.
0: I honestly probably get a couple vet guys in free agency at that like mid level sort of contract deal um you know guys that probably aren't going to be attracting the the bigger teams i I don't know if I go after van Vliet. Uh, that's just going to be too expensive and not on your timeline for Wemby, I don't think. And and I think you kind of roll with the fact that maybe you're going to be pretty bad next year. Um, and your the Charlotte pick's not going to convey because it's lottery protected, but the Raptors pick's only top six protected. And maybe mm-hmm. hope that between your pick and the Raptors pick, you can land a guy in next year's draft to kind of put next to Wemby. You're not tanking necessarily, but I think you you hold off for one more year to get some of that draft capital high up in the draft before you start actually like building more of those vets um, and guys that fit your timeline. That That's what I would right. mean, probably.
1: So, so you're saying kind of like what the Pacers did, where it's like the Pacers, they didn't try to lose this year. They they were trying to be competitive, but they were also yeah, like, they would exactly
0: not... or like what the okay. thunder did with KD originally, or I guess the Sonic right. did with KD. You know what I mean? You're not oh, you've got you. the guy. <laughs> Uh, but there's no sense to go surround the guy and, and get and fight yeah. for a play-in spot the first year.
2: And know? that's a really that's good okay. person because you look at how much that roster, that Sonics roster slash Thunder changed over like those two years and they basically reworked the whole roster, which makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. No, I, this, yeah. this is what I get for letting you go first. You stole all my good ideas. No, I <laughs> or my my thoughts on that no i i think we're totally on the same page i think you bring in vets especially culture guys where they're going to be like be able to mentor and they don't necessarily have to be the most effective nba player they can just be good but but bring something positive chemistry wise and uh even if it's like a contract that because they have a lot of cap space that other teams are going to want want to shy away from like you don't to Sheldon's point you don't have to actually be good right away because we already said like you don't want to play Wimby 82 games anyway. Yep. You want to play him like 60, you want to ease him in. If he has mm-hmm. goals that's fine, like that's totally normal for a rookie. I mean even someone as as clearly naturally talented as he is, it's going to be an adjustment to the the speed and the strength of the NBA, right, is going to be, like, from playing. I mean, I know it's the top league in France, but, like, I've seen some of those highlights and not all the guys he's doing that on look that impressive. So it's Yeah. Really but and it's fine if the first year you're meh, right? You still have those good picks. You bring in some veteran guys. Take, take contracts that other people might not necessarily want, but just with the timeline to know that, like, okay, we're going to have, the cap space again, like, depending on how you structure those, con- those veteran contracts as he's starting to come into his prime and then you need to be able to actually, um, you know, bring, bring a real number two. Like, I either, either grow it internally, organically or, like, two, three years down the road bring a real number two in.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, Sean, did you have something realistic you wanted to say here?
0: No, I don't think so. I I said my piece there.
1: Okay, Uh, my pitch is um, I think there is a team who has a point guard on it who might be thinking, oh, after this year, um, didn't really work out the way they wanted, some disappointment. They may be thinking, is this really a key guy going forward for us? And uh, this player would be very happy to be in Texas, based on the gun laws. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna make the jaw joke here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, uh, no, I think it's Chris Paul. I think they should get Chris Paul because uh, Phoenix doesn't want him. Uh, you can absorb the cap space, he's um, only like 15 guaranteed, I think. So, uh, you're and he's only got the one year. Uh, my basically my pitch for this is we saw what happened when Chris Paul went to Oklahoma city yep. and, and dra- I mean, this is not what I would expect exactly. to happen. to be dragged that ass to the uh, post, the post that one year. That's not what I'm expecting. I'm not even expecting him to get to a, a play in game, but um, it was really good for some of those players like uh, Dort and SGA to have Chris Paul on that team to show them what it takes to win. And I think one of the reasons why that team is on an accelerated path is just that one year they had him and had an adult in the room, a veteran guy with these young players. And we, I know we don't like Chris Paul. I know we all kind of are annoyed by him and hate him. But I think he would do a lot to help that team mature and like see some of the things that you need to do to be successful. And you'll need him for one year, just like with the OKC thing, and he's gone. Um, You can let him do whatever. And I think that would be good. um, Because again, he's not going to play... He's also not going to play 82 games. So we're, I think, I think well, he's going to play like 40 games probably considering his age and his injury history. But I, I think it would be good to have... Um,
2: if they make the playoffs, he's yeah. going to be injured in the playoffs. So you're good to go.
1: Oh, yeah, right. Um, so that would be that would be the player I think they, they should target. Um, I think they can get him probably pretty cheaply because I think everybody knows that Phoenix is really trying to get off of him. So they, uh, Phoenix doesn't have a lot of leverage. And they need a team with cap space to take him. And not many teams are going to want to. So I think you could get them. Not for much, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on all counts.
0: Yeah, I mean, we don't, you know, or don't love the way Chris Paul plays the game in some capacities. But in others, especially if you're a big man who needs to get acclimated to the speed of the mm-hmm. NBA game, especially, you know, wanting to work on your offensive game. Suppose there aren't many players on your team that you would want more than Chris Paul. Can you imagine just, you know, slotting into the the Clint Capella slash DeAndre Jordan Blake Griffin role there for Wimby? You know, just he's going to get a couple just wide Mm -hmm. open alley oop dunks from Paul a game, sort of thing to to boost the stats a little bit. Learn how to run the pick and roll. Yeah, get get to his spots on the floor more easily. it's not a terrible idea. I I still I still would go for the tank route for one year, but I I see the the reason your reasoning there.
2: Yeah, the Blake Griffin comparison I think is is a good one in the sense that like he doesn't have the athleticism, but he's so much longer and taller that yeah, I could just see him. And Chris Paul is a very good passer. I agree. There's other things about his game I could criticize, but he's got good floor vision and he he makes the right play more often than not, and there's just going to be, like, two or three plays a game where Wemby is dunking on the entire other team with, with a passer like that on your team.
1: Yeah, yeah, so... I I I think uh, it's more likely they'll kind of do what Shellen has said and maybe get a couple of um, better guys and some okay contracts uh, that, you know, maybe in the future they could chip out and bundle together type of thing, you know, like... Uh, Dan, a Dorian Finney Smith contract that you guys had was such a good one, and that was such a great tradable contract. I think they might kind of try to look for that type of um, um, money in years so they can have you know move them out later. But uh, I think, yeah, I think what you guys said is more likely than what I said. What I said is uh, like you know, I that's just what I would like to see, and I think it would be an interesting experiment, but um, yeah, i, I just,
2: had an amazing idea. I think that uh, the Spurs should trade for um, Kyrie Irving. They <laughs> <laughs> should give yeah. a bunch of young talent. Uh, Sohan and a couple other guys that are, you know, I mean, we, we can let him pick among the others, but like just get some good young talent, send it to the, the Mavs, and they'll get Irving back, and it, it'll be a great pairing Irving and Wimbid uh, <laughs> uh,
1: Your desire to get. Kyrie traded off the team. It was uh I it's not even my attempts to get Jalen Brown on another team won't even don't even reach the levels of your Kyrie desires.
2: Uh, I, I called it from day one on that trade, and I was not wrong. No. Oh uh, no. That was a terrible trade.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I digress. Yeah. Um was there anything else in the lottery or from the in the draft in general that you guys are? want to talk about? I guess maybe, Sheldon, do you have a a guy that you're interested in for the Warriors? You guys are picking at 19 here.
0: I mean, when you get outside the lottery like that, it's just so hard to say Mm -hmm. who is going to be available at that point. It seems like a very guard and wing heavy draft, so I I suppose maybe you just hope that you get somebody that's decent out there and hope that some team's dumb enough to take Jordan Poole. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's kind of your your hope at that point
2: with a GM that does not watch the playoffs preferably
0: yes, exactly, yeah, and you know maybe the Warriors GM will be gone, you know we're talking that now, so I mean there there's so many things in flux it's it's way too hard to say, you know I mean you look at the the mocks and you can you know kind of pick and choose you know chris Murray would be great, you know Keegan's little brother from Iowa there is is the kind of guy who's maybe available in that sort of range would would be my favorite pick, just another big long three-point shooter sort of guy, because we're gonna lose DiVincenzo, obviously. He he outperformed what right. the Warriors will be able to offer. Um so they they just really need another wing. So hopefully we can get somebody that's NBA ready at that spot and get lucky.
1: Okay. Uh for me, uh we have the Mr. Irrelevant pick as our only pick this year. The 58th pick in the draft because uh two teams got uh there are second round picks taken. So I hope we get uh, the equivalent of Brock Purdy. Uh, that's my only hope I can have, I guess, right? There you go. <laughs> uh, it's not going to be anybody useful.
0: So. Okay. Well, Isaiah Thomas was the was Mr. Relevant a few, well, not a few years ago. That would have been, what, 2011. Uh, at this yeah, point. It's a so, so that's a long time ago. So there's a chance. There's
1: a chance. There's a non non zero chance that he could be a good player. You just brought right. that up. That is a good point. Jokic and got you drafted know, during a Taco Bell commercial. Anything. Yeah. About, yeah. Right. Or, that's right.
2: Or, when you're that deep you absolutely swing for the fences like the most Mm -hmm. out there like crazy pick is what you go for that deep
1: yeah because it doesn't
2: matter if it completely whips it's irrelevant
1: yeah exactly yeah that guy well uh i i think we we might we should save this for a, a future one here um when we get to off season stuff but uh, depending what the Bucs do for a coach, I don't know if he'd ever even play him because, like, Bud in the past, he never played any of the young guys, so they never got any good. And it was like, that was a little frustrating because, like, okay, we're such a good regular season team. At least try to get these guys 10 minutes, you know, in a, a, in a, a week in a game so they can at least get some game time out there. But uh, he just never did it. And it was like, yeah, kind of frustrating. But um, I, I understood why, of course because they didn't know how to play defense because they were rookies <laughs> and stuff. But uh, yeah, you know, we'll see what that uh, new...
2: Purchase. Learn to play defense by doing, I think?
1: Yeah, you would think so. so yeah, except game time might help. So uh, look at Christian Brown, man. Uh, Malone played him, and now he's able to play him in the postseason because he played him in the regular season. Another guy, Kansas guy, you know, just my my lifelong... Uh, One year, six month love of Kansas, you know, (laughs) really paying off for me. Um, So uh, I guess there were a couple of things. I don't know if you did you guys read. I know, Dan, you've hinted that you read Zach Lowe's article where he was in the draft room and he talked about some of the GM meeting stuff. I want to see how you guys feel about a couple of ideas that were getting thrown around. You guys are in favor of uh, more fines for flopping, I'm guessing, yes?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean the- it's just too incentivized hurt. to do it right now. We watched, you know, you saw that sequence with LeBron and Leflop. Jokic, both of them <laughs> flopping at each other, you know, acting like they both got punched by an anime character, flying 15 feet, you know, you gotta do something. Yeah. No, yeah, I-, I I hope.
2: totally agree, even though I know that's gonna hurt my team because... Our best player definitely is in that category.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would be helpful for me because everybody freaking flops against Giannis as well, I can't tell if they flop or if he actually just runs them over because he's so freaking strong. It's like I can't tell if you're always flopping or if you're actually getting punched into the third row by his shoulder.
2: <laughs> he's going full speed. I can see a dude flying getting hit by Giannis.
1: Yeah. So uh that that would be good for my team. Um, because we're not big floppers. Uh the other one, because um, they were discussing like the end of the season, everybody's jockeying for positions. I know, uh, of course, this is going to sound like such salty, uh, great or uh, sour crepes from me here, considering what happened. Would you guys support the number one through three teams getting to pick their opponent?
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I am so in favor of it. It's not even funny. Like both sides of the equation are are just too good. You as the one seed get to pick the team that you think you match up best with. Maybe that's due to injuries or something, or or just or just straight up matchup out there. It's not the eight seed; it's the six or seven seed you want. And then on the other side of the coin, whoever that team was that got picked gets to play the ultimate like they mm-hmm. did not be- respect us card uh, for that. That that's perfect. I don't know why that doesn't happen. It should happen.
2: Yeah, and it, and it creates a direct incentive not to do the like what we saw this year of like oh you yeah. just like and it's not you don't even have to call it throw it right because it, it can be like the one the last or the second to last game in the season and you can go oh we're just resting our guys for the playoffs we're not throwing the game mm-hmm. we're gonna unit and that gives you like a, that's a reasonable excuse especially in a season as long as the nba is but the problem is it lets you set your like if you're one of the lower seeds it lets you set you choose your opponent which is not fair at all
0: yep right yeah yeah exactly the lower seed shouldn't be the one that gets to make that call and that they are and again now th- this is the pipe dream right here that is never going to happen but i'm still putting it out into the universe as a hope, like. Because I did it for the All Star Game, I wanted an in person, you know, like yep, draft sort of thing. Can you even just imagine a world where you got to have the top three teams and their captains or whatever, and you have Giannis out there, you know, saying, you know, uh, we want the Hawks, and Trey Young has to come and stand over next to him. Amazing, like that. That's the best television possible. It, it can't happen. The logistics of it are not feasible. But that—that's my dream, like in my brain scenario of. You know the Celtics saying, "We want the heat and, and Jimmy Butler getting to walk over there
2: uh, i so. i I want to live in your basketball ultimate reality, sir that sounds amazing
1: yeah, I mean it's an entertainment product, and that's part of the reason why we're adding the in season tournament, part yeah. of the reason for the play in tournament th- to boost the entertainment part of it, and that is entertaining just to even have like uh you know even if they're on like uh on t v or whatever on t n t I mean, that would be the dream to have it on TNT, of course, too, to have, like, Charles and Kenny and Shaq immediately commenting the whole time. Uh, And then, you know, Giannis comes up with the pick, and he's like, "Uh, we're going to select the Brooklyn Nets, you know? Uh, And then, you know, it could be, like, immediate interview, like, why did you pick the Nets, you know, um, type of thing? Yeah, of course, they gotta do it. And, you know, like I said, I know it's sour grapes because my team got eliminated by an eight seed this year, but... I do think it I think the way the plan works now is I think it does potentially punish the number one and number two seed. I mean, Memphis Grizzly fans are there agreeing with me because I got the freaking Lakers and they're also pissed. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, if the point of the plan was to allow a team who maybe had like an injury or something happened and, you know, to, to try to get back into it or, you know, to deincentivize tanking and blah 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 blah, then why? then that, that how come these teams that spend the whole season trying to get the number one seed end up getting punished by this way? It doesn't make sense to me because that, that it, if you're trying to make the regular season more valuable, that actually makes it less valuable because it's like, well, I get the one seed and I freaking can get, you know.
2: It, it, it makes it smarter, field. honestly, to be like a middling, like middling to good team. Yeah. And then at the last like 10 games of the season,
1: decide curate- yeah.
2: Games you win against which opponents to get the ranking that you want. Like that would be the ideal way to play the season. Especially because by doing that, you're reducing wear and tear on your best players.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I I agree with Sean. I'd love to see it on TV and uh, I wanted to hear you guys say it. I had the need leaders uh, sorry, the listeners needed to hear you guys say it before me because uh of course it's just gonna sound like I'm bitter and mad and uh, that's not not incorrect, but <laughs> um I, I also mean,
2: think it was one of the yeah. teams that was trying to pull that off. And then at the last second swerved into tanking. So, I mean, I totally. Right. I totally,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. totally. It makes did,
0: too yeah. much sense. It
2: needs to happen. Yeah. yeah. And it makes too much sense is the one thing that worries me on why it won't happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. So, uh, so we're in agreement, punish flopping, Give us the TV program of the number one through three seeds picking their uh, opponents in the postseason. Um, would it, it would make the the individual games more entertaining because I wouldn't have to complain about <laughs> all the flopping and uh, also then uh, we would get awesome uh, right before the postseason. Uh, sorry, another thing too that I would like to see is uh, I, they didn't talk about this in Zaclos thing, but they got to do something about this um, jumping in to Get the charge, or someone's in like sliding in to get a charge right before it comes in the air. Because it's, first of all, you know we saw John Giannis get injured from that play. But the other thing too is like the only way to beat that type of move is with a, a euro step. And to do the euro step, you have to bring your arms up. So then we see so many guys get clocked in the face, and then we have the stupid flagrant foul <laughs> reviews because the guy's getting whacked in the face because he's doing a play on defense where the only action is to euro step to not get the charge and it's oh god it's so stupid uh so that's another thing i'd like to see changed because i I wouldn't be
0: surprised if we're only a year or two away i I think i liked cuban's take on it um that like it's such a bang bang play that like how can you get rid of it except by expanding the restricted zone underneath the basket um and but if you expand the restricted zone, then you have to give something back to defenses uh, to compensate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so removing defensive three in the key uh, potentially was was one of his suggestions. Um, for it, maybe dialing back hand checking at least a little bit in certain capacities, but but some sort of give and take there. Just expand the restricted area a little bit more to to at least de incentivize more of those charges right at the rim. And then get rid of defensive three, and the key to make up for it. Um, It seemed like a reasonable take to me.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Block charge. I think is the consistently hardest call to make. Exactly. Yeah. Athletic, and they're moving so quickly, and the whole like, oh, is their feet moving, and blah blah blah, and position, and all that. Like, it's it happens so quickly, and everyone is so athletic now that that is. Like even there's times when they 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 show it on replay in slow-mo and it still is not obvious, right? Yeah. It's
0: mm-hmm.
2: ambiguous. Even like with technology that you're not gonna do in game every single time, right? It just the game would take too long if you did that. But like there's still cases where it's like, eh, it's a fifty-fifty. And yeah. yeah, I I honestly do kind of wish they would bring back a little bit of hand checking, and it's not because I'm some bad boy pistons fan, it's just that <laughs> is kind of absurd how much has been given to offensive players in the last five years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Would, especially now with, the uh, her at, at times, right? Yeah, mm. You know, my, my big thing with the charge thing too, is it's like, so you got, you created the reckless closeout three point shot one where if you land at the landing zone, it's now flagrant. Um, so why is not, you know, cutting undercutting somebody doing the, you know, in the air, when you're trying to get a charge, also not the same thing, also seems to be a reckless type of thing. So it's like uh yeah, they've given so much to offenses over the years. That was the thing that in that GM report that they were discussing, like, oh, is there a way that we can help defenses out a little bit because the scoring is nuts. Uh ESPN had that crazy article about the um explosion of fifty point games this year. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh Do I want us to go back to the basketball that I grew up with in the mid uh two thousands, the crappy Pistons era no uh that was horrible I hated watching that and uh, I you know the basketball better is now uh sorry is now better to watch but uh it has gotten a little crazy when it's like you're looking up and it feels like multiple times a week we're getting a 50 point score and it's like this used to be like a big deal you know I remember when Brandon Jennings put up the 55 when he was a rookie and people were losing their minds and now it's like yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, don't know, the 50. I don't even care if somebody scores 50 anymore. I'm like, yeah, please come back to me when he scores 70.
2: Yeah. It, I, 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 I don't want to watch boring basketball. I don't mind that they're high-scoring games. I just, like, I don't know. It's nice to watch someone on the wing actually be able to shut somebody down. And now, mm-hmm. I guess that's the other side of it, too, is, like, as someone who can't stand Harden's game, a part of that is just so much is given to the offensive player when they create all these situations and yeah, then great are ready
1: contact you yeah.
2: three throws this is exactly why i want like and i don't know how you do it in a nuanced way but i want a little bit of hand checking i want a little bit of pressure on the offensive player that is not automatically a foul because i want the great offensive players to earn it right and i, I actually think this would i don't think it would hurt uh teams like Shellen's warriors because Steph is such an amazing shooter. Even if you're doing that, like, he relocates and a lot of the stuff that he's doing to get open, this would not affect that, right? Because he's getting himself insanely open or he's bombing from 40 feet or whatever he's doing. And it's really more the guys that don't deserve to be 50-point scorers that are getting away with, like, oh, he shot 14 free throws because every time they breathed on him, you know, the defense breathed on him, he got more free throws. Like, that's where it's frustrating
1: to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would it would it would help the uh, flow. I think the flow of the game make it a little better to watch too. Because it is, I mean, I watch a guy who goes to the free throw line a ton because everybody hacks him when he's in the lane, so it is a foul. But it's like, yeah, it's it's just break up the flow of the game. Watching free guy shoot free throws a lot is um, not fun. I mean, I guess when you have a player who's giving away free Chick fil A a lot of the year and it's always a roller coaster, then it is kind of fun for the other team to watch. But yeah, it's it uh it's not fun to watch, foul hunting and uh just the the amount of free throws yeah guys can get so I I, I would like to see defense a, get a little bit of help but also as we said too I also the block charge thing I think I do something about that too because it's impossible <laughs> to officiate so um.
2: um I I would I would. Be happy if they actually really started cracking down on, uh, or more so on bitching to the refs too, which I know again yes, yeah, yes. hurts my team because lucas is one of the. Worst- <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, I I say this is like it would help my team in the long run is if he cut that the heck out. That's like four or five points a game on average. I feel like we would get yeah. that because our transition defense is like worst in the league because we're playing four on five because Luca's there griping to the ref about not getting the foul call so frustrating
1: yeah definitely you know I don't know if we're I maybe we will come back I don't know how big FIBA fans you guys are but they are having a big FIBA tournament that's one thing with the FIBA refs is like if you are complaining to the ref a lot they will just like give you a technical foul (laughs) and it's just like (laughs) I I wish the NBA would uh I mean I I I am annoyed at sometimes the refs are are they a little too crazy with the text but I wish there was something that they could do um you know, I know Dan, you watch some soccer too. Maybe some sort of yellow card, red card thing where it's like, okay, uh some sort of like descent foul or something like that that you could call them for. Or just like, okay, you're complaining too much. We're gonna give you a descent one, and then if you complain again too much, you get descent two, and then it um I don't know. Then it either counts as like um yeah. a technical foul for you or it's that it's uh, you know, a eject- jack so I don't I don't know what it would be, but um I would like to see them do I could just even be like, give him a personal foul, I don't care, whatever, but I'd like to see him do something like that, too. It is also uh, frustrating to watch the amount of complaining. That's what the coach is for. The coach is supposed to complain. (laughs) Uh, So, I agree with you there. Um, Anything else you guys want to talk about as far as the uh, draft lotto that happened? No.
0: Nope, I'm excited for the draft. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um yeah, it should be exciting. I think uh that number two pick is really fascinating. What Charlotte does, um if they take Miller or Scoot or they trade it, uh could be really fascinating and then we discuss too. Um we don't think Portland's gonna be making that number three pick, but who knows? Um so it should be a fun lottery. Of course, uh Wemby's going first and it will be must-watch TV in his first summer league game. and um, San Antonio hasn't been on much national TV lately, but I bet you they're going to be on national TV this year, huh? (laughs) I would think so. Yeah, so uh, the wider world will hopefully get to see him play and see everything that we've been... Man, uh, I feel, was it like... After the postseason last year, Sean, we already started to rev up the Wemby we <laughs> hype wagon on this podcast,
0: yep, I af- think. Yeah. That was our first... We talked about him very briefly in our season preview, I think, uh, or season during midseason, but yes, after the finals, when we did our free agency kickoff one. we started. We were talking about him already then, so yep, a full year at least of of Wemby hype for us coming to an end.
1: Yeah, so um, pretty excited about him. Uh I hope I mean I guess if people maybe this far have no idea who we're talking about or what's going on or anything, I'm impressed, but uh, yeah, I hope uh, <laughs> I hope you uh, I hope you do tune in to watch him when he plays because I think you will uh, hopefully, but if we're all correct, you will be astounded by his um, raw athleticism and his well, you will be by his size. it's impossible not to be. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think uh, next time you guys might see us is uh before the finals we might do a finals preview it depends on our schedules and also um who makes it because Sheldon and I don't want to do a Lakers Celtics one but um, seeing as how those teams are both down O2 I don't think it's happening <laughs> man so. Miami is
2: this is a discussion for another pod but Miami is doing something these playoffs man oh man yeah so the ultimate th- rope.
1: Yeah. Ultimate rope it up. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, um, I think we will see you guys before the NBA finals and then probably after, and then, um, like I said, it depends on how these guys feel about, uh, FIBA. If we want to talk about, it. I guess it might depend on who's going to play a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, I don't know if Giannis is going to play and I, if the nuggets win the finals, I, Jokic is not playing. Like, it's just too much basketball. So, um, a lot will depend on that. So, I hope people enjoy this, and uh, I hope that you are enjoying the basketball and looking forward to Wemby as much as we are.